Welcome to Draft Utopia, folks. Chris Ransom and Joseph Potter here. And we have a lot of sports right. to talk okay. about. Let's go a little time. And Chris is obviously at a loss for words for all of them. I don't know if that's somebody in the background or if that's Logan. I'm sort of confused. That's all. I know no, that, that that's me sitting at the bar and enjoying myself on my night off. Yeah, and this has been a crazy hockey evening, but I, I, we'll get into that if we have time before uh, Logan comes on. We get through the mock draft that you sent me. And where better to start than the Jacksonville Jaguars? I did a season preview of them today, and they are on the clock at number one in your mock. And you're in Jacksonville, too. So, Well, I, I just want everybody to remember my mock drafts are not based on any projection other than the Vegas Super Bowl odds. Yes. That's that's why I, I you know, ask you just read yeah, everything across the Vegas board because... Whereas I took a much more complicated process. I try to preview every team, go through the coaching staff, scale the entire roster, and then make my analysis solely based on that. Because I think in 2017, I said the Jets would be the worst team in the NFL. They ended up with a third pick. And Jacksonville could end up being in a very similar situation. Even though everyone's saying they're the worst team on paper right now, they could end up picking second or third realistically. Well, here's the thing. I, I don't think they're the worst team on paper, and I don't think they're going to finish as the worst team. But Vegas, their current Super Bowl odds, have them first, so I have to acquiesce. And Trevor Lawrence is the top pick, consensus top player in the nation. And when your top player in the nation is a quarterback, then you're number one overall. You got to take him. Um, it, there, there's really nothing else to it. Um, so I don't think it'll come to that. I think Minshew's going to have a good year. But based on where they're drafting in this situation, they're going with the quarterback. Yeah, and I agree. I had Jacksonville picking at two in my last two-round mock when I had Lawrence at one of the Patriots. But that was clearly biased, and I didn't. that was before the Cam Newton signing, too. But with this, it's like, yeah, Jacksonville's the worst team on paper. But Bengals went 2-14, and 14, got the number one pick last year. I have Jacksonville at 1-15 based off projections. Bengals at three and thirteen, Washington's at five and eleven, and I read through Washington's preview entirety on yesterday's podcast. But today, you're looking at Jacksonville. Their receiver situation's pretty good. I do like Fournette, but 2021's a deep running back class, and if Jacksonville didn't feel like giving Fournette a fifth-year tender, they might already be looking at running backs for this 2021 draft. They left tackle could be an issue as well. There's a lot of things the Jaguars could improve in. I feel like they have the right front seven if they keep it, but there's also reports and rumors that they might trade Yannick. And there's going to be a deal within the next 24 hours. Yes. So that's something to be uh, looked at, but secondary, let's move on. Like yeah. Improve as well, but 
Yeah, let's move on to the number two pick. All right. With 150 to one odds, Washington football team. I don't think they're going to be picking this high when the season ends, but this mock draft is based on Vegas odds, as Joey has previously stated. And I do agree with Joey that uh, I did have them at number three in my uh, previous mock that was two rounds behind New England and Jacksonville. And I may Sewell, the Oregon left tackle at this exact slot, because right now, Cornelius Lucas, who started eight games at right tackle with the Chicago Bears, and Gerard Christian, the Louisville left tackle that we both thought was a huge reach in the 2018 NFL draft, are competing to be the blind side for um, Haskins, Alex Smith, and Kyle Allen, which is a huge red flag because those guys are worse than Donald Penn. Two years ago, they had Trent Williams, one of the best left tackle situations in the league. With Williams, then Williams says his holdout. They pick up Donald Penn in free agency, and Donald Penn does so horrible that Washington just outright cuts him from their roster. And these guys are downgrades over Donald Penn, both Cornelius Lucas and well, Chris. Well, who who did I take at that position? A left tackle, Penny Sewell, and he's great. Like I think he's the best left tackle to enter the league since either Jake Long or Joe Thomas. I I loved his take. Yeah, he has the highest uh, rating for any offensive tackle in uh, pro football focus. He did not give up a sack last year. Um, and so, they called Oregon's left tackle his toughest opponent when we spoke with a name mm, and I did anyway. Yeah, so That's- he is easily the best left tackle prospect and easily the best non-quarterback in this class. So... Uh, for him, it it for us to give him the uh, to Washington. I keep wanting to call him the Redskins. Obviously, I recoded but, all the names so that the Washington football team doesn't show up. But not everybody's as progressive. I mean, not everybody wants to get with the times. I mean, USA Today had did their season previews and they had the Washington uh, Redskin logo up. I mean, we put the football team logo. We grinded through and went through all the code before we started our season preview so that we'd have the look the new logo for the football team up i don't like it but it's 2020 and if we got all these sponsors we got all these people that are helping us out i feel like we have to get with the times especially if sports yes. logos and score stream both use the washington football team logo. it's like so i made the call just based on that but it's like it's split jury down the middle and i gave our writers the option of using the football team logo or the other logo until Washington officially makes a team nickname, releases a team nickname and a new logo, which will probably be next offseason. For now, they're going to be the football team. Yeah. Who's third? Um, at number three on your rankings, you have the Carolina Panthers at number three, and you have them getting Micah Parsons, which is cool because he reunites with Yetter Gross Matos in that situation. They got Brian Burns. And Carolina needs two inside linebackers, and Parsons can play anywhere, whether it be outside or inside. So in this scenario, he'd be playing inside, and your edge rushers would be Burns and Matos, but your your inside linebackers would be Shaq Thompson, who is moving to Mike linebacker, and Micah Parsons would come in and replace Luke Keekley. Yeah, because I was looking at the Carolina roster. I saw they had a few holes, but I looked at their linebacking core, and I was like, holy um, I looked at that as like the only one that I saw that was like I could really see with star potential in this situation was uh, Maddox. So it's 
this, it turned into a no-brainer for me. I know some people haven't taken quarterback. Some people haven't taken all these different players. I'm like, no, it's a no-brainer. You know, it's like we talked about it last week. Mika Parsons is the top five prospect. Mm-hmm. Carolina desperately needs an inside linebacker. Perfect fit. Boom. Yeah. And Parsons is a player that you can play outside or inside. And with Burns, the first-round pick, and Gross Matos as those head rushers, Parsons is going to play inside in this scenario. Yes. And he can blitz like an outside linebacker, too, because he's a defensive end in high school. So he can blitz and do all that good stuff, cover effectively, and he'd be playing next to a veteran in Shaq Thompson that can show him the ropes. So it'd be a, those four linebackers in that 34 defense can make things easier for Matt Rule. Yes. Who we got number four? Giants, Jamar Chase, LSU. Last time the Giants took a receiver out of LSU, they they t- took a guy by the name of Odell Beckham Jr. So just wanted to remind Giants fans that well guy. Chase is easily the best receiver in this class, uh, hands down. Yeah. He is worlds away from anybody else. But that being said, I like Daniel Jones, but I think I think he's going to take another step forward this year. But I don't think he'll reach his potential until he gets the bona fide number one receiver. That's, yeah, as uh, the Giants have not done. They said, well, Golden Tate did good. Sterling Shepard did good. And we got Seth Williams, that uh, six-round pick out of Auburn in the 2019 draft. Maybe not Seth Williams, but they did draft a receiver out of Auburn in the 2019 draft. He earned the slot receiver job. But all those receivers, Shepard, Tate, and uh, the, the guy they got from Auburn that was a rookie last year, they all have bodies of slot receivers. They don't have a guy that's like 6'2 or 6'3 that commands that presence of a number one receiver like Jamar Chase. And that's something they've needed for the past three, four years. And they could have did, addressed that in the 2020 draft, but I don't fault them for taking Andrew Thomas because now you have him at left tackle. You're going to have Matt Part at right tackle, who I interviewed in Mobile and Nate Soldier's on a holdout. And if both of those guys do well as rookies, Soldier's on his way out, and he's going to have to find a new team to sign with. Yeah, fact, not only that, but could you imagine that um, the having Chase back. Could you imagine having uh, Chase sitting next to uh, Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones? And Ingram at tight end, yeah. yeah that, that's a hell of an offensive group to have sitting there, especially at a young age. Yeah, you have Joe, you have the two tackles, you have Ingram, you have Barkley, you have uh, Jamar Chase and Daniel Jones at quarterback, and and that's the thing. Garrett's the offensive coordinator. So Garrett's calling the plays for that group. Yeah, so it's like, yeah, got if this scenario comes to pass, you'd have to look what the Giants would have at their disposal. Where's, where's number five looking Bengals, 125 to 1 odds. I have them finishing worse than the Washington football team. You gave them Dylan Moses. And I don't agree with the thought process here because the Bengals took three linebackers. They took Marcus Bailey. They took Logan Wilson. They took Akeem Davis Gaither. The problem is none of those guys are projected starters, and they run a nickel defense, and you have Jermaine Pratt and Jordan Evans in a contract here. Those are your well, starting linebackers. Right? Well, that's the, that's the problem. None of them that they've got on there are starters. None of them are stars. None of them really command anything. I, I look at their roster, and I'm like, they have depth. Okay, okay they have depth. Congratulations. They've got a 
bunch of guys that can come in in case somebody gets injured. Who's going to be in there making the plays? Who's going to be in there, you know, because the Bengals are good with they, they drop their linebackers to run, drop back in coverage, and everything else. You know, who is going to be that big playmaker at linebacker? It's like they don't have it. They simply don't have it. Um, they've got good role players. They've got good depth. But they don't have that guy who's going to come in there and say, look, motherfucker, you go over the middle, I'm going to take you out. You throw over the middle, I'm going to block up your pass. Yeah. And Evans is a player that probably is the player you can upgrade over. And I like Jermaine Pratt, but it's like Moses has a way higher ceiling than Pratt. And we don't know where Moses is going to end up because it's like he didn't play in 2019. He missed all of 2019 with a season-ending injury. That's why he came back. Yeah, yeah, but I still think that he is going to be one of these players come Mobile that is going to just light it up athletically, show that he is – Back at 100%. If that happens, I think he has top five potential, especially with the Bengals who are going to want to get the ball back as much as possible, get that offensive ball, get the offensive ball. That's the type of guy they need leading the charge because they can't get the offense back the ball consistently if they've got linebackers who are just, I'm okay, I'm a pretty good player. That's not going to work. Because if that happens, then you have the Browns. And we know how their linebacker situation is right now, and it ain't good. So, you know, you don't want that. So, so Dylan could, Moses would be a junior redshirt. He'd have his degree, so he could go to the senior bowl, but he doesn't have to go to the senior bowl. So he like doesn't he, have to. but He probably I, should, though, because of the injury. He wants to show scouts he's healthy. He doesn't have to, like, yes. even if he just goes to, just to interview with teams – because this is what Ayuk did. Ayuk went the first round of the draft, and while we criticized that selection, maybe he didn't practice with the teams due to his injury, but he went there to take the initiative to get interviewed by teams. And the 49ers took him in the first round. And with Debo Samuel getting injured, now Ayuk's going to have to step up, and he's going to get that early playing time, that immediate play time, because he did beat out um, Pettis for that uh, receiver job. And Emmanuel Sanders is no longer on the team. He's on the Saints. So Ayuk's going to get to play right away in San Francisco. Yeah, so, I mean, it's like the decision to take him there was a sound one based on the Bengals just need a star linebacker. I mean, they've got everything else, but they don't have that star. So They, they still need upgrades in the secondary upgrades, like right tackle. They still need upgrades at those positions. They, they need upgrades in a lot of places. So, it's like just – Rosso could be a good pick too if Hubbard struggles this year. They need a lot. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's what it is. Team. They, they need them the Browns at home. I have them beating the Chargers in week one. I have them beating the Jaguars. And then I have them losing the rest of their games. But I think the Bengals are going to be competitive. I'd say 11 of their 13 losses will be by single digits, with the games against the Ravens being the only blowouts. Honestly, I think they're that. Yeah, Good uh, I think we're keep them in games, but we probably need to get to our next team, Detroit. Six. Yeah. All right, and they have a hundred to one odds, and you gave him Rashad Bateman. He's my he was my clear cut number three receiver behind Chase and Justin Ross before Ross got injured, and now he emerges as that number two guy. He's not going to play this year. He's just going to train for the draft, and 
I think he's a first-round grade. And this is a great pick for Detroit because Gallier, Marvin Jones Jr., and Danny Amendola, the top three receivers on their depth chart, are all free agents. This is the wide receiver from Minnesota, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he – the big thing you got to look at with him, really good hands, gets off the ball at an NFL level already. Um, Yeah, he is one of those guys, he will get massive separation. And he's got the size and hands to take advantage of it. And that is something that is, for some reason, I just, I'm getting the feeling that Detroit's going to keep Stafford around. So if that's going to happen, they're going to need that big receiver, a la Calvin Johnson, who can just blow people up. And I think this guy. Yeah. If you keep Stafford and re-sign Kenny Galladay, you're going to need that number two because I don't think the Lions are going to have the cap space to keep Stafford, Taylor Decker at left tackle, and Kenny Galladay without them taking somewhat of a cap hit. If you try to keep those players with Stafford, that's great but you're still going to need that number two receiver because if you re-sign Decker, you re-sign Galladay, and you keep Stafford, you're going to need that number two receiver, and that means you're going to have to let go of both Martin and Danny Amendola. So even if you keep Galladay, you're still going to draft another receiver, and eight minutes six makes perfect sense here. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Number seven, I'll speed things up here, the Dolphins. You gave them Devonta Smith. They're only – target is um Devonte parker and this is why i love this pick i mean smith was my number four guy i know people a lot of people have waddle ahead of smith on the boards but they only have waddle ahead of smith due to speed when i look at the tape for both waddle and smith right now smith is the better player waddle may have the higher ceiling but just looking at the production looking at who was more reliable last season heading into this year it's easily Devonta smith i think you can make the case that Devonta smith had more of an impact on Alabama than Henry Ruggs. But since Ruggs was the first receiver drafted due to his speed, it may not be ideal or appropriate to make that comparison. But it's like Devonta Smith was that guy outside of Chris, Read the note that I put beside the pick. Only three drops on a 112 catchable balls, which I am not – I'm not sure – he actually had that. I'm going to look up his stats that, right That now. was from Pro Football Focus. That was a Pro Football Focus stat. Well, ESPN said he only had 68 receptions. Well, so, well, the reception... That must be for his career. That ca- must be catchable for his balls career. are not uh, the okay, same so reception. Recep- one, four, 68 and 42 is um, 110 and 8. So he has 118 career receptions at Alabama. Yep. Yeah, but we're, we're talking about catchable balls. Catchable balls don't exactly mean receptions. Catchable balls can mean people with, who get their hands on the balls. They can mean um, balls that were in range to be caught, but for some reason weren't, but he didn't get his hands on them, so... It doesn't count against them. It, does, it doesn't count against them. So... Well, hypothetically throws a pick, but... He wants to throw to Smith, but Smith is not in range to catch the ball. It doesn't count against him unless he's in range and makes a contested effort to make the catch. Yes. So, I mean, ESPN doesn't keep those type of, you know. And that's why pro football focus is so much more reliable. 
Yeah. It's, it's, they, they go through every freaking play from every player that they work on. So, you know, and then break that down. It's absolutely amazing how many stats they can pull out by doing that. But, um, but by doing that, it's like you look at it and you see it's like, holy crap, out of all the casual balls he had, he only dropped three of them. Yeah, I'm with you. Smith was my number four receiver before the Ross injury, but now he's probably my wide receiver three because I was sort of stuck on who would be that one, two, three if I did the receiver rankings. And I'm kind of in agreement with you on Chase Bateman and Smith being those guys. All right, number eight. This is the first surprise pick, but I actually really like this pick now. They, the Jets get Wyatt Davis. They cut their right guard, Brian Winters. And that's why I love this pick because he didn't allow a single sack or hit in 2019. And with um. He played with a guard that got drafted out of Ohio State, Jonah Jackson. He was a senior boy. And Wyatt Davis and him were both on that Ohio State guard unit. And this is and, a good pick. And let, let's put it in perspective for the people. Let's, he had blood clots in his legs. Okay. It's been a year away. Got the problem taken care of. Came back. And he was better than he was before the blood cross, you know, before he went out. So, I mean, if he's better after that, what's his ceiling look like? It is. That's that's an incredible ceiling. Yeah, Wyatt Davis is the first Ohio State player in this mock. And that might shock a lot of people since – Ohio State does have Justin Fields, but we'll get to him later on the Dolphins. Um, Trey Smith, guard Tennessee. Now, this is a guy I had going in the early part of my second round, and he didn't allow a sack in 2019. Also, he's versatile enough to play tackle or guard on either side. He was a five-star recruit in high school. I know a lot about Trey Smith from that background. My dad was a Tennessee volunteer alumnus, so... Trey Smith is a great fit for the Dolphins, considering that they have Eric Flowers at left guard and they have Michael Dieter at right. Yeah, guard. and another guy who didn't allow a sack or a hit in um, last season. Um, another guy who's come through adversity. The guy is uh, just a really good player, very technologically sound. And that's the big reason what these two girls are incredibly technologically sound. And that is the main reason that they are so good. And that is the main reason why they're going in top 10. Uh, So, and let's face it, a lot of these teams have young quarterbacks. These young quarterbacks need protected. So they're going to be emphasizing offensive line. And they have big holes on the interior of the offense. So that's what pushes these guys where other teams have other people in the mocks have 15 to 30. I have them uh, in that 8 to 15 range. Because with these young quarterbacks, and that's why some of these other quarterbacks are falling at this point. Yeah, and I have four quarterbacks, I think, in the top 10 of the fan speak board I did, but it's going to depend on the teams. 
and Wyatt Davis was a guy that I had in the second round of my mock, but I didn't know he was that dominant as far as pass blocking goes. So I'll probably move him up into the first round now because I didn't think he was ascending. His stock was that high. So, but yeah, you have Trey Lance, the Raiders at 10. And I know this is a pick that's going to piss off Oren because he's a Raider fan, but it's like Derek Carr's going to be third next offseason. Derek Carr, if the Raiders finish in the top 10, Derek Carr's gone because that means you've had your chance and several times and you didn't get the job done. You couldn't get us out of the top 10 drafting. And you have the Chargers at 12 and the Raiders at 10. And this is based off of Vegas odds. As much as I love Derek Carr, it's like if you finish last in this division, you finish behind the Chargers and they're starting Tyrod Taylor over Justin Herbert. Yeah. You have to replace Carr at that point. Yes. And um, the thing is, he has all the tools. He he has the physical tools of a superstar. But he's going to need to grow, and he's not going to have the uh, season in Division Two that would have propelled him up into the, you know. And I don't think Carr be out of the league entirely. I think in this scenario, Carr probably signs with the Washington football team. They get him on like a short year deal and they keep Haskins as like a sub as a backup to Carr, but he's in that backup role permanently while he plays out the final two years of his rookie deal. And they just sort of play wait and see mode and they have Sewell as the blind side because I still think there would be a market for Carr as a starter somewhere else, maybe Carolina, if Bridgewater does poorly. I still think there would be a market for Derek Carr. He would be starting on another team. He would not be the quarterback of the Raiders, but I still think somebody would pick up Carr on a short-term deal just because the demand for quarterback. But Trey Lance is a great pick for the Raiders if uh, they are in this scenario. Thoughts on that with uh, Carr's options before I get to Arizona 11? Yep. Sorry, lost connection there for a second. All right. I basically said that there's going to be a market for Carr, even if Trey Lance is the Raiders' pick next year. I think a team like Washington, assuming Alex Smith and Haskins don't do well, could get him and they could keep Haskins through the final two years of his rookie deal as a backup. Or a team like maybe um, a team like the uh, Panthers, if Teddy Bridgewater doesn't pan out, could be options for Derek Carr next season if the Raiders replace him. I still think Carr has a market as a starter, but it's a very small market. Yeah. Uh, who's the next one? All right, Cardinals. Pat Fryermuth, Penn State. Love this pick there. Starting tight ends, Max Williams. This is a great fit for Arizona. I think I gave them Brevin Jordan, the Hurricanes tight end. But this is a great pickup for um, the Cardinals here at 11. Well, here's the thing. What's the big thing in uh, Oklahoma? Tight ends, running backs. What's these get? What are Baker Mayfield and the other quarterbacks at Oklahoma good at? Tight ends, running backs. Get those two athletic tight ends in there. Let them roll and see how this offense takes off. Because these guys will make plays. These guys will catch the ball. These guys will make everything look good. 
So this is going to be huge for the uh, Arizona offense if they can get a second tight end, and especially one who could double as a slot receiver. Yeah, and the Chargers at 12, you gave them Gregory Rosso, and I love this pick. Rosso, I think Rosso belongs in the top five. I think he's that good. But here's the thing. Melvin Ingram is on a holdout. They extended Joey Bosa, and they gave Bosa a big long-term deal, and now Ingram's holding out because he wants a deal like that. And he's 31. He's not in the same position he was heading into He's 31. He'll be 32 by the time the draft starts. And he's got a kid now. So it's like he doesn't have the leverage that somebody like Joey Bosa would have. But he supports Melvin Ingram's decision saying that he has to take care of himself. It's like in this scenario, if Rosso's there, you can replace Ingram with Rosso. And you can trade Ingram for another pick. Yeah. And Chargers, you put Rosso on the other side of Bosa. You know. And trade Ingram, you get a lower salary, you get a younger player, and you potentially get another draft pick. So, it's a total win for the Chargers here. Yep. Number 13, Broncos, Alex Leatherwood. This is a great pickup because, A, I've, I've liked Garrett Bowles in Denver, but I haven't never really loved him. I thought Cam Robinson, not Bowles, was going to be the best left tackle in the draft. But Bowles has held his own as a starter. He's done just enough to keep the starting job, but he's never really stood out to me. Like, he's never really stood out as, like, one of the top left tackle. He's a quality starter, but he's not a player that's ever really stood out to me ever since I evaluated him. And Juwan James, your right tackle's been – Injured two years in a row. You haven't been able to play him. He Actually, he opted out this year, but he was injured all last year, and then he opts out after getting that huge contract with the Broncos. So it's like the Broncos are picking at 13, then you take Yeah, and so, yeah, that was actually my thinking in taking him was that these guys have been, you know, they're not really stable at all for the tackle. In the league, so yeah, that was what you just say was my exact order. You know, why I took that. Yeah, the Bears. Daniel Cosby. I gave the Bears a quarterback in my mock. I gave him the Iowa State kid, Brock Purdy, and reunite with Montgomery. But you went with a tackle here. But I do think Samuel Cosby's an upgrade over both Bobby Massey and Charles Leno Jr. I think Cosby's a clear upgrade in that regard. I'm not sure if the Bears go that route on draft day, but I think he's a clear upgrade over those two. But they already extended Lino, and they paid um, – he did well against Everson Griffin, and they paid uh, Massey. So they might keep those tackles. I don't know what's going to happen yet. It's a year away. It's still early. But if they keep the regime, they keep Matt Nagy, they might take a tackle and keep their quarterback situation. It's one of those things that we're going to have to follow. And the Bears could be another team that's in the market for Carr. I mentioned up Washington and I mentioned um, Carolina, but if the Bears want to contend now, they could get Carr and draft Cosby. So, yeah. Cosby's a good what, what was your reasoning for Cosby here? Because he was a right tackle. This first year, the left tackle last year. Yeah, my reason was is the Bears had a lot of needs. Uh, 
uh, the Bears had Foles. Foles is still they traded for him. That means he's still got a big contract. Uh, thing is, though, Foles is still a very good quarterback. He just got hit with a really Minshew mania hit, basically. Let's just put it that way. Uh, Minshew emerged a lot faster than Jacksonville thought he would. So, you know, Foles was cut. The Bears need offensive line help. They need defensive help. They need wide receiver help. He was the best player that I saw that really fit what was needed most because if Foles gets hurt, I don't think they want to – they wouldn't have gotten Foles if they wanted to go through another season with Trubisky for 16 games. You don't want him to get hurt. And that was my thought process through it. Keep him upright. Yeah. Because they, I mean, Lino's done well since they've extended him, but I feel like they could have done a lot better through the draft the last three, four years. All right, let's move on to Atlanta. Number 15, Jalen Waddell. You get him as a slot receiver to Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones. This is a great pickup for them. Well, I think the Falcons have bigger needs on defense with their defensive line. I do love this pick. I think it's a very good fit. And... Yeah, and they they do have bigger needs, but my thought process was um, Julio Jones is going on 37 years old. He is not going to be around forever. Still in great physical shape, but as, as we saw with Joe Thomas, he'd be in great physical shape, but when you've been doing it for that long, if you get one major injury, you're going to be like, well, guys, I was great for a long time. You didn't do anything with it. Like, I still love you, but you know what? I'm bowing out. And Waddle is one of those guys that, yeah, he could be a slot receiver now, but when Jones bows out, he could very easily go into the X or Y at either side and be successful there. So, this is a pick that is looking at all right, we've got aging core players that have kept us competitive. We need to make sure we stay competitive long-term. Yeah. Jones is at 12,000 receiving yards. He's only 31. He turns 32 next offseason. You thought he was 37. He's 31. He turns 32. Still got time. Yeah, you still have time, but I would rather them um, – be ready for the inevitable in case, especially this year and next year when we're not really sure what's going to happen. Yeah. And Julio Jones better be safe than sorry. Two all time. Right now, 12,785 yards. Curving Fryer is number uh, like 20 in all time receiving yards. Julio Jones is at 12,185 yards. He's 100 receiving yards away from entering the top 20 for all time receiving yards. And he can get 600 yards easily, even if he misses the games with injuries. He can get, he can reach that benchmark this year. The question is, how high up on the list is he going to go? And can he keep that high level of play 
Because even if he doesn't decline now, by the time coronavirus ends, you're expecting him to decline by that point. Yeah. Or you want because Julio's going to be 32 next year, and he's got a contract. I'm going to look at the contract really quickly. I mean, it's a good pick if you think Julio's bound to decline, and you want a good short-term slot receiver as well as a potential successor to Julio Jones. That's because I think that's what you really put into perspective here. Yeah. Okay. Jones' contract runs for 2024 when he's 35 years old. He has an opt-out clause in 2023, so he's not going anywhere for the foreseeable. Yeah, but by but as you've seen with most receivers, by the time you hit 32, 33 years old, you start to lose your legs a little bit. You know, things start to slow down. So that's what I'm looking at. It's like even though his contract says this, his body may not agree with that contract. So I had to look really closely at that situation as well as other situations. Yeah. If you feel that way, they this is probably the best year to get a receiver because this draft and um, last year's draft were both very deep at receiver. And Atlanta traded Sanu to the Patriots, and they never really did anything short-term. And you kind of need that long-term player, too. So this draft's going to be strong at receivers, so I can see the thought process. All right, the Jaguars, they have the Rams pick from the Jalen Ramsey deal. So they actually get a corner here. You go with Caleb Farley from Virginia Tech, and Farley is good. I watched his Notre Dame tape. I actually did an anchor podcast where I was watching Farley's film cut and giving my opinion on it. He had a, 10 good plays and three bad plays against Notre Dame. I was counting the good play to bad play ratio. And he could play man zone and press coverage effectively. He showed he can play any type of coverage against Notre Dame. And one of the people that does the draft write-ups and scouting reports for Pro Football Network said that his worst game of the year was against Notre Dame. And he had 10 good plays and three bad plays in that. And he showed the ability to play any type of coverage and the versatility. So if he impressed me that much in his worst game of the year. That tells me he's pretty damn good. Probably belongs in the top half of the draft. Very, very good one. with man coverage. Very good nose for the ball. Uh, and as you say, you know, Jackson's got a pretty good pass rush, but they don't – they no longer have the guys to take advantage of the pass rush. They Henderson in the nickel cornerback role, which scares me because if Henderson, the guy you drafted to replace Jalen Ramsey's your nickel corner, and you got like Trey McBride or somebody as number one, and you have your other corners, DJ Hayden, that scares me as a football fan. If I not just a Jaguar fan, but as a football fan, the fact that those are your corners and Henderson's on the outside, that kind of scares me because you're gonna be easier to pick apart. Yes. Whereas somebody like Farley, he checks off all the boxes to the point where he could be a Jalen Ramsey duplicate, and then you could have Henderson on the outside, or you could keep him in the nickel with the Hayden. Either way, it's a winnable situation. Indeed. Uh, all right. 17, you gave the Browns Marvin Wilson here. Um, they did pick up MJ Stewart from the uh, waiver wire, Mar- MJ Stewart from the Buccaneers. So now they have four corners. So I'll probably change my pick from corner to another need in my next spot because, or a guard. I'll probably give the Browns a guard. If they, none of the guards that you mentioned are there, I might go defensive tackle. But it's like, yeah, they got Kevin Johnson as a nickel and they added MJ Stewart. He was getting first team reps with the ones today in training camp the guy they picked up from the Buccaneers. So if they have four corners, corners no longer an immediate first round draft need. And 
Marvin Wilson's a guy. Corner right now is not a draft need at all. Uh, I mean, they are they have four guys on their roster that can start for NFL teams. They took a severe need, and now they have four uh, potentially four starters, and they're four deep on that cornerback roster. So it's, I mean, the Browns in this situation. They did pretty darn good to address that cornerback situation. And I have Marvin Wilson as high as number five on the FanSpeak board. I have not sent FanSpeak my official 2021 board, but I have Marvin Wilson as high as number five on that yeah. big board. Yeah, he is higher. What note? I think I put a note beside him. Beside the pick. Did I? Let me look at the right up here, but to have no, you didn't. I did. Oh wow! Because uh, I thought like, that... I had this guy in my top five on the fan speak, and I think like um, Pro Football Network, who has a draft simulator similar to Fan Speak, had him at like number three or four yeah. overall the entire draft. Yeah, I I, um, I, I think I read that him. he had an eighty-three uh, run uh, run defensive game. According to pro football folks, an 88 pass rushing grade. So, I mean, he, he's pretty damn good up the middle. And, uh, yeah, next to Ogun Joby, you know, everybody's either pretty old or pretty, um, pretty old or, you know, pretty improved. So, well, it was some site, I think it may have been Pro Football Network, but one of these sites, maybe it was the Draft Network, but one of these sites gave him a 95 for pass rushing. That was his grade. So that's why they have him in the top five. So yeah. If you have a five on him for pass rushing and he's a nose tackle, that I can understand. That That's probably why you have him in the top five. Because I yeah. didn't see that from Derek Brown last year, that kind of motor or enthusiasm. So if he actually ends the season with a 95 grade in this shortened season, then I think we can actually have a conversation or a debate about whether he goes ahead of Derek Brown at that point. But at this point, I'd say no to that. But I could see it. Yeah, it, it, uh, we're at the 42-minute mark. Do um, you want to try to get through one more pick? I, I get through the top 20, then we'll take a pause, then we'll resume uh, 21 through 32, and then we'll have um, the get Logan on. All right. All right. Titans, Justin Fields, quarterback, Ohio State. You have him at 18. The Titans cut their backup quarterback, Cole McDonald, today, and I think they added Trevor Simeon off of free agency to be their backup to Tannehill if something were to happen to Tannehill. And the Browns did take Conklin from the Titans, so and they aren't even starting Isaiah Wilson at right tackle yet. They're starting um, the, the, the guy that was the backup to uh, Conklin. He's the starting right tackle, and Isaiah Wilson, their first-round pick's like the backup right now. So the tight how, how how old is Tannehill now? I mean, he's been there 60. I think he's like he was like 31 or 32 before he yeah. got his contract. Yeah, that that was my thought, is that he's about 31, 32. He's 32. He turns 33 next July. So so right there, you know, what falls into your lap? Future franchise quarterback. Tannehill, he'll get you through. I think he's got two good seasons left in him. And then you get your franchise quarterback taken. 
Yeah. yeah, and that's the thing. Even though I love Justin Fields and raved about him in my SWAT report, one of the guys in the draft community that's applying for like a position at Draftytopia, Andrew Lampke, he did a video on him and he pointed out all these flaws in Fields. I don't know if you took that into consideration when moving him down your board, but this feels like the best fit for Fields. Yeah, he, he does have a lot of flaws. I've, I've noticed he's had a lot of flaws um, all along, but he also has some really good traits. I mean, he has some excellent traits. So, I mean, he is one of those guys who can very easily make an impact. But he's also yeah, one of those guys who have the contract in 2022 and save 24 million or 2023 and save 27 million. Either way, it's a very advantageous position to be in. And you give Haskins at least a red shirt ear like you did with Mahomes. Not Haskins. You give Fields a red shirt ear like the Chiefs did with Mahomes. Then you can sit him out that second year as well or play him halfway through the second year. And you can manage the situation pretty effectively. Yes. Um, easily a franchise quarterback does have his flaws. Yeah. Number 19, Rondale Moore. This is a guy I had in the second round of my mock, but I do think he's now in the first round conversation. He had a dominant freshman year. He's a receiver, running back slash return specialist. He dominated as a freshman. Didn't show that progression as a second year player, but somebody posted Ron... Rondale Moore's highlights in scouting college football. He impressed. So I can see why you'd have this guy in the top 20. It's a good pick for Green Bay. They need a number one receiver so badly. Yeah, and we, heard, I've heard some rumblings that Aaron Rodgers is not out of yeah, uh, They should have got someone next to Devontae Adams in the draft, but they traded well, up for George Love. Well, I've heard that uh, Aaron Rodgers is not happy with the wide receiver position. If they don't get a wide receiver, that uh, he would not be happy with the Green Bay Packers. So you look at somebody who is explosive. You look at somebody who can make plays downfield. You look at somebody who can make people miss. Okay, let's take a chance. Let's make Aaron Rodgers happy. He's your guy. This is something that this receiver can do. All right, and the final pick in the top 20 before we get to our first commercial break of the evening, the Pittsburgh Steelers replace Steven Nelson with Patrick Sertain, the second, my top corner in this draft. I have a top 10 grade on this. A very good value pick because you have Hayden as your number one, but Sertain can be the short-term number two, and he can be the long-term number one when you consider Hayden's age. Yeah, and I... Nelson downgrade over Sertain. In the short term, but Joe Hayden, he was drafted in 2010. Um, he's 31 years old. He'll be 32 next offseason. So I think Hayden's got maybe two or three good years left, and then he's done. Yeah, and I've been look. I was looking for a place to put Sertain as I went through. Couldn't find that position, but when I found it with Pittsburgh, I looked at what they had. I looked at the ages of their corners. It was like perfect fit right here. They'll get a lot of stuff done with him on that, and he'll probably make a lot of plays, be very good with his coverage, and make some interceptions. So in that respect, I think this is where it gets to put him in. All right, guys. That is part one of Joey's mock draft. We are going to take a break, and we'll be back with part two shortly. 
Welcome back to Draft Utopia, and I'm going to have Joseph Potter, who was kind enough to invite Logan onto our podcast shortly, and he broke, Joey broke down 1 through 20 in our mock, and Logan's here with us right now. What's going on? Hi, how you doing? Great. Good. I hear you play lacrosse and football, and I'm really curious to learn about your story or your journey to get from now to where you want to be. All right, where, where would you like me to start at? Go ahead. Uh, I, you know, I, I play football and lacrosse. Um, I, I'd like to play college at the collegiate level one day. Um, for lacrosse, whether that's uh, you know Division One, Division Three, I you know I just want to play at the next level. Yeah, and you look at this with any sport, not just football or lacrosse, you look at any sport, you want to get to the best position you can be in because the better the school, the better the competition, the more impressive your resume is going to be. Yeah. Right. So what contributions have you made to football? What contributions have you made to lacrosse? Similarities, differences? Um, I would say... The main uh, difference between football and lacrosse for me is clearly, uh, you know, I love lacrosse a lot more. I mean, I even have a uh, a tattoo of a lacrosse stick actually <laughs> on my arm. You know, I've been dedicated to the sport pretty much um, most of my. Uh, I kind of just do football to stay in shape. You know, I enjoy playing it. I've been playing that from a young age as well. But uh, talent-wise, you know, I, I'm a lot better at lacrosse, and that's why I've kind of just shaped an interest, you know, more for lacrosse than football. And that's good. If you realize you have a brighter future of lacrosse than football, you can focus on that one sport and become the best version of yourself at that sport. So Of course, yeah, I love playing. Now, Logan, from what uh, I've heard, you had a concussion or two here. How much did that shape and make you think that, hey, maybe lacrosse is probably a better uh, investment for your future than football? Oh, well, well, you know, of course, you know – uh, uh, lacrosse opposed to football you don't have that you know head-to-head action every play you know you're not really thrown uh, and having an injury like a concussion or really anything um you know it makes you take a step back makes you a little more careful a little more hesitant you know when you come back to play and um I you know I think ever since I have had you know my most recent concussion it it kind of has made me a little more hesitant you know on the field and just the way that I play. And that's understandable. It's like, you know, my uh, history with concussions. So I completely understand your hesitance there. Um, And with, and there is so much more of an understanding of concussions than when there was, when I was playing. So you can be better informed about that type of situation and make that type of determination. But I, I want to transition a little bit, you know, and go yeah. back. 
um, and say, how is the feel of Derek's? I know Orville and Worcester are pretty close, you know. So between the two schools, how are you feeling about what's going on in Ohio and the uh, basically all of OSHA right now when it comes to the sports? You know, it's interesting because for the longest time, um, actually, you know, Governor Mike DeWine didn't really make a decision on whether we were going to be able to play a season or not and how that season would look. But what they did um, is they cleared us for a six-game regular season. We're going to play an all-conference schedule. And then after that six-game regular season, everyone is eligible to enter the playoffs regardless of record. So you could be 6-0 and and get into the playoffs, and you could be 0-6 and and still play in the playoffs. So everyone kind of has a shot now, um, and it's really just changed the whole dynamic of high school football. But, you know, he, they went ahead. And, and how does that team affect, team play, affect so your training for lacrosse? Because I know football and lacrosse it. are kind of – yeah, they do have a lot of similar trainings as far as footwork goes and – keeping your spine straight and all this, that, and the other. How does that affect the mm-hmm. football aspect, affect the lacrosse aspect? It's, it's definitely complicated during football season, you know, because I don't have as much time, you know, with two days, four-hour practices, films on the weekend. I don't have as much time to practice lacrosse, and it makes it kind of difficult, you know, be, but I still try to play in as many tournaments as I can get into. You know, if I have a Sunday off or some day on the week where we don't have football, you know, I'm at the field. I'm I'm training that as much as I can. Um, but it, it makes it a little complicated because, you know, I get banged up at practice, this and that. Yeah, and so sometimes how, I just feel uh, like, you know, I need to take a rest. How day. have or, you been you know, training there. with everything's going down? So I know the facilities have been shut down. Uh, I know uh, you've spent some time doing yeah. other things. And how have you integrated everything you're able to do into your lacrosse training? Well, it's it's funny, actually, because for the longest time, you know, the gyms were shut down and everything. But recently they had um, opened them back up. So me and one of my buddies, Phoenix, actually – we hit the gym uh, pretty much, you know, five, six days a week before football because we have football from four to nine. So we were able to lift a little bit, work out, you know, treadmill condition, you know, just to stay in the best shape we can so that, you know, we don't get lazy or out of shape just because some facilities are shut down. You know, you don't, you don't want to yeah, really then you that just start eating a bunch of hot pockets and you, and you get turn lazy. out like me. Uh, yeah, it's like yeah. running seven miles a day. Start, to, yeah, start turning new. Damn near tearing a muscle on your ankle and eating hot pockets all day. Uh, it doesn't turn out well. But the entire situation we're looking at here is, I I want to ask you, like, because I know you've been training from football since, yeah, you know, a really young age, and how does that? How did all that training for football oh, yeah. prepare you for lacrosse? And where are the cross trainings in there? What did you learn from football that can be applied to lacrosse? What training do you do in football that can be 
applied here in lacrosse, and how does that intermingle? You know, I, I'd say the biggest thing for me is because I'm a linebacker, all right? So when I'm on the field and I'm playing defense, you know, we get in lacrosse, we have teams trying to, you know, move the ball over the midline and transition. I, I feel like my footwork as a linebacker can be very similar to how I play defense in lacrosse and just staying in front of my man, you know, not letting anything behind me, you know, stuff like that. So it's actually very similar. And although there's not as much running in football as there is in lacrosse, the conditioning that we do at practice and just taking constant rep after rep during football practice, that kind of keeps me, you know, in the shape that I need to be to play midfield or in lacrosse. So it's not, it, it's not, it's not that it's similar because it's two totally different sports, but the training and the footwork, you know, that's where some similarities are a little bit. Uh, and I can – understand that situation where uh, the footwork would be incredibly important and how similarly with football and yeah. lacrosse you would have a lot of the same drills. What type of drills? Are there drills you can do just at home on the beat whatever you're doing where you're just sitting here like I want to do this drill coming up here yes, and just do it. Is there any drill that oh, yeah, maybe uh, even totally. when you're doing that may be more difficult than they would be on the field simply because you're in a different environment? Yeah, I would say um... – Certainly for me, because I take face-offs in lacrosse. You know, it's the it's the center. It's a it's a one-on-one -on -one matchup. So a lot of times, what I'll do if I'm just sitting around at home, don't have anything to do, I'll take a box and I'll put the ball in front of the box and I'll just practice my clamps, my face-off clamps, right up against that box. Um, you know, I I work out. You know, I get bored, do twenty push-ups here and there. You know, there's always ways that you can train, even if you're just sitting around not doing anything all day. Uh, you know, you can always sit there and, you know, get your ball, get your stick. You can cradle, go outside, find a wall, throw up against a wall. Yeah, and I I will say, you know, take advantage of that because when you get older, you, um, as an athlete, your body starts mm -hmm. saying, you know, where I remember because when I was younger, it was like, oh, I, I've got a five-hour recovery time after eight hours of working out, you know, whatever. And now it's like I get off work, you know, after going eight hours, yeah. you know, heavy, you know, because I work a physical job. And I'm like, I want to do these push-ups. And I get down one push-up and I push back up. And I'm like, eh, that's enough for me. You know, my, my body just doesn't do it. So, you know, it's, it's good that you take <laughs> advantage of this. As, yeah. You're younger because, you know, you're, you don't recover it, you know, as much as, you know, yeah. I like to be able to keep up with people who are 20 years old, you know, it's like they don't see the recovery time it takes afterwards. So, you know, it's like, it's good that you, you know, are right. getting into that habit, yeah. you know, and not being... I guess, arrogant about your recovery time, you know, being as swift as it is. 
Right. And that's that's the beautiful thing about lacrosse too, is because you know whether whether you're just sitting at home or wherever you're at, really, you can always find ways to train. Whether it's you know the simplest thing as just cradling the ball, you know, working on your your left hand, you know, your off hand, whatever it is, or even if yeah. it's working on faceoffs, there's always ways that you can play lacrosse. I feel like. And it's different for football because, you know, a lot of times with football, if, you know, you're playing a wide receiver, you, you know, you need a quarterback to throw it to you. If you're a linebacker, you need a running back so you can work on wrapping up and well, tackling. Well, here's, here's the you know, thing like, that that's why I, I think you got I, wrong about that is that sport. I think you got right that the – basically you just said hand-eye coordination is, you know, key to both. But the thing is, something that I learned, something that um, – when I was working in produce, per se, people would say, are you even looking at what you're doing? And it's like, no. It's like, and I would be taking things and I would be looking, it's like tomatoes, for example. I would be culling them, which is taking the bad stuff off the shelf by the feel of what they were in my palm. It's like I knew what a good tomato felt like. I knew what a bad tomato felt like. Without even looking, I would just flip it with my wrist over to my other hand yeah, and deposit and quickly deposit it down. It's like I didn't need anybody giving it to me. I would take it and I would take, to this day, I'll take something. It's like I'll have something random in my hand. doesn't even matter what it is. You know, sometimes it'll be an umbrella. It doesn't even have to be round. And I'll just start throwing yeah. it between hands, you know, and it's like as I'm walking, and I'll be like, okay, you know, it's like it's not hitting you, it's not hitting the ground. It's like, no, it's like, are you even paying attention? Not really, no. You know, it's like it's, you know, and you can do the same thing with a football, just the same as you can do the same thing with a cross. Uh, it's that hand-eye coordination. The hand-eye coordination doesn't go away. It's like there will be times when I will still just take a water bottle out of my – I'll have a water bottle in my pocket. Right. You know, when I'm doing something, I'll pick it up. I'll flip it in the air and snatch it out of the air with my hand and twist the top. Just, you know, it's like – and they'll be like, why would you do that for? <laughs> do what? I just opened a water bottle. You know, it's like – and that's because, you know, it's like I, I just – drug it from the top, snatched it, opened the top, didn't even think about it. It was that that coordination they had there. It's like I didn't need somebody to give it to me. So yep. hand-eye coordination really doesn't need a another person throwing it to you. It doesn't need anybody handing it to you. It just is. So if you work on the hand-eye coordination, no matter how you do it, you know, you'll see the benefits of it because now you, anything you do it with, it'll be natural. It'll just be a natural thing. Yeah. So, in in that case, I got you. I I think that's something that a lot of people need to broaden their horizons on is like things like hand eye coordination and footwork. Don't exactly. Yeah, they they don't exactly pertain yeah, to I one thing or another. Like or they don't exactly need somebody else. I mean, they are what they are. You just have to know that if you can get it right, it's going to be there. Um, 
So that leads me to saying, you know, you're doing all these things. You're doing all these things with hand-eye coordination. Um, you're doing all these things with the footwork. But mm-hmm. how are you going about um, preparing? Because I know you touched on it a little bit. Tell us more in depth how you're going about preparing for both seasons because I'm looking at it as you're saying, okay, you've got the football part of it and it works well right. with this, but it's hard for this. But when you get down to it, you've got the two days for football, you're doing whatever you can for lacrosse in time. But how is there something you're doing because during two days, I know you have a little break. There's something you're doing for lacrosse during that break time or something you're doing for lacrosse, you know, before between those times for weightlifting and so on and so forth. Right. Well, the way that we run our two days, actually, it's not like uh, like one practice in the morning, one in the afternoon. We'll go from like we'll go anywhere from like three thirty to four, all the way up until like eight thirty, nine o'clock. And the break, the break that we get, is, so it's one. Yeah. So it's one big practice. You know what I mean? So we get like a five to ten minute break in between that. So I don't really have a lot of time and, you know, we, you know, we're, I'm still around the team and everything, but I guess to, to, you know, expand on your question a little more, I try to on most days, actually, before football practice, I try to get some, you know, some shots in on my goal. I try to throw around a little bit, you know, just so I stay sharp with lacrosse so that, you know, when I do play into a tournament, I'm not you know, looking slow, sluggish, that's good because looking like I'm out of tune. Even if you have five minutes or so and you can get on there and you can run the length of the field, you know, just keep that field. And like you said, don't be sluggish when you're doing it. I mean, that's a great thing to just try to keep into game shape. Whether it's football, lacrosse, whatever it is. Um, Chris, do you have any follow-ups on that? Not really. I mean, you look at – there's got to be a way to – you know, I'm not going to say anything else because I don't know. <laughs> yeah, like, Chris is – I'm having a meltdown. Oh, I don't want to have a meltdown. So. Well, uh, I guess here's the thing. It's, um, what I'm really looking at, and Chris – or not Chris um, – Logan, how are you in this situation? Because I know they say scouts are looking at you. Scouts are looking at you. The as you know, the old WWE thing said the world is watching. So how in that situation <laughs> with all the uncertainty going on and with the tightened regulations going on in OSHA, how are you saying, I'm going to show you these scouts the best I am, even if you're kind of limited? 
I think the best thing for me is, is consistency. I, I like that word a lot because if I'm consistent and I'm consistently practicing by myself, if I'm consistently giving 100% in practice, whether that's football practice, lacrosse practice, whatever I'm doing in my training, if I'm consistent and I'm giving effort, then I, then I don't think that there's anyone who can stop me. Um, you know, I, I'm not saying that to be cocky or anything. It's just I, I put so much time into the game that I'm so confident on the field. I feel like, you know, I, I, I don't know if there's any way, you know, that I could – the only way I can get stopped is by myself, you know, if I get lazy, if I stop training. So, for me, you know, it's just staying positive. We know that OSHA has a lot of rules and restrictions right now. So, you know, we're going we're gonna to persevere through that and just keep working. And, and that's really all I've got um, for that. You know, yeah, that's, that's all I can you, do is you do have to realize at the same time I can as like, because we know you do have some really good genetics when it comes to athletic ability um, because a lot of your family was um, very athletically gifted. Um, so how do you take advantage of knowing that you've had, you know, people in your family who have been athletes and who are, you know, still fighting, even as they got older and their metabolism is burning down, finding to keep in that shape. And how does that, you know, kind of help motivate you in different ways to, Continue to say, look, you know, it's like, I know I have these genetic traits, you know, it's like, how can I take advantage of it? Yeah, um, for me, you know, for me, that just pushes me harder because it's like, it's like, you know, I have, I've been gifted, I've been gifted genetically, you know, our family has a very you know, a pretty good past of, you know, being decent athletes, good athletes. So for me, you know, I'm, I'm blessed with that. So, you know, through my work ethic and, you know, my mindset, I just, if I keep working and then add that, I think that that puts me in a great position, um, you know, to be great and play and play at the next level and, and really do what I put my mind to. You know, I remember, you know, you never, you never used to let me go by a day, man. We were always out there practicing, yeah. throwing the football, yeah. running routes. That was I mean, a huge thing all the time. that we were always trying to teach. That, and something that was always taught to me, even from an early age, is that whatever doesn't kill you will always make you stronger. And that's something that, even at an early age, sure. I taught to people. Yep. and that somebody would ask me if I had enough and said, you know, whatever doesn't kill me will only make me stronger. So that's something that if you live by that situation, if you live by mottos such as that, then you'll always have a shot. So... I like that, you know, it's like in practice or, you know, even in a game, whether it's a football game or lacrosse game, you get knocked down on your ass, you get back up, 
say good hit, you keep going. You know what I mean? You don't let that hinder your performance. You don't let that slow you down. You don't let that stop you. You use it as motivation, well, and you keep pushing through. You, you know, you well, get back not to only that, on the but, next play. You, you just use it. You got to use it. I was not always the cleanest player. Let, let's just put it that way. Um, and <laughs> one of the things was, it's like, mm-hmm. you hit me good hit you may not like what you get coming up and while i don't condone that type of play especially in this era back in my day that type of aggression mentality was you know the it 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 was looked at positive uh yeah yeah, it's like yeah, it was a I, I more punched somebody in the, in the helmet you know, back in the day, in, in and I got a 15-yard penalty. You punch somebody in the helmet today, they eject you. Um, so you're out. Too yeah, big. it's a little bit different, but yeah. the same theory sticks as whatever doesn't kill you only make you stronger. Um, what injuries have you played through that you can yep. say and? How were you able to get through those injuries? Oh, um, for for me, my whole life, you know, it, it's it's always been the head injuries. I've always I've always had a bad problem with with leading with my head to make tackles, make big hits, you know. And and I'm one of those guys when I'm playing, regardless of of my like my body. I'm going to play and I'm going to do, you know, the best, get, make the best thing to make the play, whether that's putting my body in jeopardy. <laughs> so I would say for me, I've definitely played through a few concussions in my day. You know, not that, um, not that they have all been documented. So for, for me, I know that I, you know, if I've gotten my bell rung or something, I'm like, oh, yep, it's a concussion. But, you know, you just got to play through. And if you're not, if you're not well, dead, I'll and you're also not remember out, this. if you can play, then you can play. Like, and, I'll take from my own experience here um, to allow you to see. I've had a, over a dozen concussions. Okay. My short-term memory is practically shot. Okay. Yep. I have to do, I have to do something, you know, repeatedly <laughs> short-term to turn into a long-term memory to work with it or to create muscle memory for it so i'll just do it you know and then they'll say who was this what'd you do it's like i don't know it's like you know i did it right though but you know because so watch the concussions watch the head injuries so far like you said you play through some of them they haven't been documented but you know they're there watch those head injuries yep because Oh, yeah. As you get older, I had to start doing karaoke to start rebuilding my short-term memory. And even then, it just turned into long-term memory. And I had to keep remembering new songs <laughs> and putting new songs in my repertoire every time just to keep my short-term memory to get that to help build that back up. Don't put yourself in that position to where you have to continually do something that put your short-term to help your short-term memory rather than 
you know, have it there and it's like, yeah, I did this, you know, did it 10 minutes ago where I look at it and it's like, where the hell did I put my coffee? Shit, I had it three minutes ago. Don't put yourself in that position. <laughs> yeah, don't put yourself in that position. Be cognizant of it and, you know, tell the coaches, you know, you know, you know, that my bell's been rung. You know, I'm, you know, let them know the situation. I'm not saying pull yourself out of the game or anything because we don't want to go that route. We never want to pull ourselves out of a game. Never want to do anything like that. But let them know, you know, through, you know, something, you know, just point to your head or something like that. But don't let head injuries, uh, affect your long-term health because those were not only cut down on your athletic future, but they'll hurt your uh, future with your memory. Mm-hmm. And, you know, whatever deity you pray to, you know, you don't turn into another Chris Benoit Jr. say out. <laughs> yeah, my coaches, my coaches pretty damn well know my limits, you know. They know that I can play through a lot, a lot of pain. Um, but I, if it ever for me gets that serious where I'm really like, dang, like I cannot think, I cannot play, like I'm seeing stars, you know, then I think at that point I've removed myself out of the game. But, you know, I, I personally, you know, I'm pretty good at realizing my limits and knowing when to say, all right, we need to pack it up. <laughs> yeah, and that's good to know. It's like you know yourself, you know yourself physically, but just, you know, don't let it, you know, play out the way, you know, you kind of insinuate it that you sometimes do because that type of thing usually turns into a bad omen. And it will turn out bad for you long-term, both career-wise and otherwise. Um, so other than head injuries, what other injuries have you, you know, because you said you played through a lot of pain and you're capable of playing through pain. What other injuries have you played through? Oh, um, you know, definitely the head is the biggest one. But if I had to say anything else, it, it's like, I'll stub a finger, you know, my finger will get all bent back or, you know, feeling like it's even fractured. Um, And, and that's just stuff you got to play through, you know, um, get your foot stepped on in a game. I can't really say that I've like broken a finger, you know, and played through that because I've been overall pretty blessed with not having any broken bones. But you know, pay, just little pain like that, you're like, you're like, dang, that hurts. But you know, you just you're not pulling yourself out of the game for it. No, no, yeah. So, so dings and such are definitely uh, parts of the game, and it's Getting good that you. Uh, no. It's good that you keep that um, keep yourself in good enough shape to where you don't get um, seriously injured. Exactly, uh, important. So, don't... so, my next question is: uh, with injury prevention, how do you keep yourself uh, loose? I guess when it comes to injuries. Um, you do a lot of stretching. Do you do yoga? Uh, how do you keep your muscles in that type of shape? 
for for me, I'd say the biggest thing is I you know lifting weights is you know keeping muscle around my bones, you know keeping in really good shape stretching, making sure that I'm nice and loose before games. I don't like going into any game or any practice tight because, you know, that can lead to pulling something. So I think for me, if I'm staying stretched, if I keep lifting weights consistently, you know, keep muscle on my bones, I, I you know, I think I'm in pretty, pretty decent shape in that matter. And, and I'll stay overall, you know, pretty healthy throughout, you know, the game or a season. Yeah, you need more pizza. Yeah, and eating food is very important. Getting your calories on there. I have things that I uh, struggled with a lot, you know, because I'm a, a fairly skinny guy. You know, I'm strong. I work out. I'm in. I'm in very good shape. But I just I don't eat enough food. <laughs> no, and well, I've it's, been... it's it's not even about the calories that you eat. And here's a little bit of nutrition advice from somebody who lost about 200 pounds. It's yeah. It's more what you eat, and remember the because carbohydrates burn quickly. They are they basically go into your body and turn into sugar, and they're used for quick energy. Where mm-hmm. proteins, especially lean proteins, turn into something that are slowly digested and build into the muscle. They are fuel right. for the muscle. They repair the muscles. Because when you work out, you create micro tears in the muscle, and the muscle builds up stronger to withstand those mice, uh, those micro tears. So, what really what you're looking at is if you burn more uh, calories than you take in, then you are burning and using all those proteins. You're using all those. Uh, carbs, you're using all those sugars, but you want to limit the sugars and make sure you have the healthy fats so you can easily digest everything. Yeah, so your digestive system works. Now, the so if you're burning 800 more calories than you in, uh, ingest, my recommendation would be to because my calorie count usually about 15 to 1800. Um, and I usually burn far more calories than that, but my carbs and my proteins are always consistently around 80 and 120 to Mm -hmm. 200. And all those get burned when (laughs) I have this few of, uh, when I have that low calorie count. Yeah, but I'm still healthy because I still have the energy, and I still have the proteins going to my muscles. Because remember, you only need about 56 grams of protein to per day to go to your muscles to keep right. them building. So, what you're looking at in this situation is not just the calories. Now, if you're feeling drained, then yes, you know, add some calories. We're definitely not. Uh, we're not saying don't do that, but if you're not hungry in that place, don't force yourself to eat. to eat in that situation. Just go by what your body tells you to do. And yeah. when your body is done telling you what to do, then you can just go on your regular activities. <laughs>
Like, does that make a lot of sense? Yeah, no, I definitely, I definitely understand that. I, every day, um, tell, tell me if this is, you know, good or bad here. Every day after I lift, you know, cause I lift pretty hard every day after I lift, I have about five to six eggs, two packets of grits, and then I eat toast with peanut butter on it. And I drink a lot of water. I drink a crap ton of water. Uh, well, part of it is part of it's not. Um, okay. You, what you want, the eggs are fine. More along the lines of egg whites you'll want, but you don't want to load yourself down with carbs. That's where you get to the bread and stuff. Peanut butter is not bad because the peanut butter is actually good for your heart. It has heart-healthy oils. Yeah. Um, So I would say find a um, healthier alternative to the bread that's lower carb intake. Um, Right. Something that um, something that could be a replacement is a uh, non-bread and uh, uh, oh boy hummus hummus yes gotcha yeah that that could be a nice healthy replacement just don't go wild on the hummus because it is also a carb it, it, remember it's basically chickpeas all ground up <laughs> so. Um, so just remember that that would be the, uh, decent alternative, but please, uh, also keep everything whole grain, whole wheat. Okay. Don't go with the white stuff because that has bleach in it. That's bleached. You don't want things that are bleached. It's like white rice. White rice is bleached. You don't want that. That's, you know, yeah, that's bad stuff. Whereas whole wheat is not. Uh, understood yeah the so but for the most part the eggs the um, I would go with egg whites because based on your athletic ability I don't think you need the cholest- the healthy cholesterol I think you're fine there at this point yeah um, so in that point I would go egg whites more than I would the full egg because that would just be pure protein with low cholesterol and low calories. Right. And that'll go straight to the muscles for recovery. Mm -hmm. And that would be what you need after a workout is make sure the muscles recover. Yep. So you don't want to log down a workout because then you just basically say, you know, I'm staying the same. My workout really (laughs) didn't mean too much. You know, and you don't want to do that. You want to just keep recovering yeah. the muscles and make sure you have enough calories in you. In the best way possible. The day. Yep. Yes. So, Chris, are you following this? Yes, I'm following this. I actually did have a question I wanted to ask Logan. Do you follow MLL, Major League Lacrosse? And if so, what team do you? Or players do you watch? I follow more the PLL than I do the MLL, but um, Ohio Machine is is the most like common M Major League Lacrosse team for me in the in the MLL. And who's your favorite player on the machine? 
I'm not very sure of the roster right now. If you ask me PLL, I could definitely tell you. Um, okay, who's your favorite player in the PLL? Definitely, probably either Trevor Baptiste of the Atlas or Sergio Perkovic of the Redwoods. Those those two guys. I like Trevor Baptiste because he's you know he's a faceoff guy. Um, very interesting to watch. Very very funny off the field. And then I like Sergio Perkovic because he's always had like, this crazy outside shot. The guy the guy just can shoot like it seems what seems like over a hundred miles per hour. It's insane. So you're attracted to Russian men. <laughs> Never said that. Uh, it's it's good that you keep up with the different professional leagues, and uh, I try my best. Yeah, because if you can find those players that you can say, I want to pattern my game after that, after a certain age, after a certain level. Mm-hmm. then you can not only pattern your game after that, but also you can integrate your own personal stuff to it. So, yeah. Yeah, Chris, do you have anything to follow up on that? No, I don't really have anything to follow up on that. I'd just like to thank you for posting your mock, and I'd like to thank Logan, more importantly, for coming on this podcast, telling us a little bit about his journey, his story with lacrosse. Um, did we talk about the colleges that you were looking at? No, we I didn't. Yeah. What are you the, actually yeah. looking at in this situation? The college that I'm like most interested in right now, who I'm actually talking to their head coach a little bit. You know, we, we text back and forth. I've had a phone call with them uh, from Lord's University. They're, they're a smaller Division I uh, college. That they play in the NAIA, and they're up near Sandusky. Yeah, Sandusky. That's uh, uh, excuse my geography in the Ohio. That's up by Cleveland, correct? Um, I think it's it's. I think it's more actually um, like wet, like northwest part of the state. I don't. I'm not really northwest. Yeah, my geog- yeah, my geography is pretty bad too, but I, I know Sandusky. I'm I'm almost positive is is, is northwest. <laughs> northwest. Okay. Yeah. It's, that's the only had, but yeah. So you're looking to stay in state. You know, um, I haven't played my senior season yet. So if I if I get interest, you know, interest from colleges out of state, I'm definitely not opposed to that at all. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so, well, I hope that um, whichever direction that, you know, everything takes you, that it works out well. Seems like you have a good head on your shoulders. And I don't know about Chris, but we'll welcome you back to the podcast, whether it be on here or on that other station that we do podcasts on. You know, it's like, and, you know, keep in touch with you on that front. Sweet. Yep. No, thank you guys so much, though, for having me. I, I appreciate it. It was, it was good. I enjoyed talking. All right. Well, you have a great night. All right. Yeah. Thank you. You guys, too. Enjoy yourselves. You, too.
he was outstanding. Nearly 44 minutes, which is the longest interview we've had to date on both the other network we podcast on, Talk Shoot, and this one. And you just blew the mystique. Congratulations. No problem, Joey. It's what I do. I, I, I know you're you're just so good I, at it. Like it's like a graph chart for me. <laughs> like every time we get an athlete to come on the podcast, it's like a graph chart. We want to see who's the most outspoken, the most charismatic, who can talk the most. And Logan did well. He exceeded my expectations. He he did. He was well spoken. Uh, he. You could tell that uh, he usually talks far more than uh, most people, and he was taught well in the uh, terms of his grammar and, you know, how calm he was in his delivery. And he was... He he didn't stammer. He always had he had some type of answer for everything that happened. So yeah, it was it was good, and um, he was very open to listening to what was said. As I I, I wish you would have uh, been more. I did ask a few questions before you yeah, got in, but that it, was but it was it was more like you had a few questions dialed up, and then after that, it's like you really didn't know the. Uh, the I would say out of all the interviews I've done with athletes over the year, this was my worst one. But this was Logan's yeah, yeah. best. Logan had the best interview of. Well, Maybe anybody. Well, had I, I think time. your problem was you didn't know the correlation between football and lacrosse and how well, they can match. NHL, the NBA, the MLB, and the MLS. Yeah, so I, I think it was it's like I drew a lot off football and, you know, nutrition because, let's face it, I don't know a whole heck of a lot about lacrosse either. But I, I knew that I could play off of – you know, I knew enough about football and nutrition and basic injuries and stuff. I could play off that. And I think that's, you know, you probably weren't as you're probably used to straight football questions or baseball questions or hockey questions. You weren't um, prepared for how to work around the lacrosse thing. Yeah, I wasn't. Yeah, but that's, you know, lacrosse isn't exactly the media darling for the United States. So, you know, I'm, I'm, we can't really blame anybody for that. It's just, you know, like, so, you know, I think Logan did really well, you know, and I think next time he comes on, I think you'll be better because you'll know a little bit more about, because as much as this was a first time for Logan, it was also kind of a first time for you, correct? Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, it's like first time for everybody, and, you know, it will be a lot better the second time around, and I'm sure there will be a second time. Yeah, and next week, you can get 21 through 32 in Joey's mock. It's uh, We did get the, those top 20 picks up, but 
we decided before um, we were going to go live with Logan's interview. Because if you listen to the first part of this podcast all the way through, good for you. And then you're probably asking yourself, what's this lacrosse? We're going from a mock draft to lacrosse. Yeah, we had Logan planned on for a few weeks now to get him on the show. Joey had this plan in motion for a few weeks. And it's like we decided before we were going to resume this segment whether or not we should have Logan on first or whether we should do the mock and then bring Logan on. But then we decided we were to bring Logan on for this segment. So, but yeah, we'll preview 21 through 32 next Wednesday on anchor. I'll, I'll, Joey will, we'll go through all the picks on Saturday's talk shoot podcast after assuming we get through the NFC and AFC West. Yeah. Cause Saturday we'll have so much on our hands. We won't even have time to get through 17 through 32. So 17 through 32 will be on anchor next Wednesday. And I'll bring, I'll, I'll read through some of the season previews. I'll go through, I did a Jaguars preview that I sent Joey. I currently have three previews done. So basically we'll talk about um, the playoffs and NBA and NHL. And we'll go through a few of the previews that I've done. I know I, I sent Joey the Jaguars one. We can go through that a little bit more in depth with the coaches and some of the stuff next Wednesday. And we'll go from there. And I did try to message some uh, other athletes. You getting Logan on kind of inspired me to network and try to reach out. Um, I did try to reach out to Oseni Buddha, the Stanford striker. I think he's going to go first in the MLS Super Draft. I reached him out by email, and I reached him out via Twitter while we were with Logan. So I'm just, I just feel motivated to try to get somebody else on. And in two weeks, I did tell Dion Reed, he's a friend of mine. Uh, he's in Views for the 22 SSAW. I think he's a college football insider for views, but like no, he, he did a 101 football guy than an NFL draft guy. So I told him next when not next Wednesday when he does 2132, but two weeks we could have him on. Yeah, and hopefully that just continues the trend of pretty good interviews because when we have interviews i noticed that we tend to get more listeners and that's good yes and it's engaging too as well indeed it is the second intermission and there's a bunch of flyer fans they look like they've just been kidnapped by the bad guys in a scooby-doo mystery that's how depressed, that's the look of a facial expression, these Flyer fans. They look like they've been kidnapped by the bad guy, the Scooby-Doo mystery. And there's just like this quizzical look, this look of uh, trauma, this look of despair. Well, have, well, we're going to probably end on that note and you know, let everybody go ahead, go watch the NFL, the NBA playoff. The NHL, NBA playoffs, and everything. There's an, there's this NHL playoff game. Then at ten thirty, there's another one. So we have Blues cannot. Yeah, five. Whoever wins that's gonna have a three-two series lead. And if Montreal does not win this game, they are eliminated from the playoffs. But they're one period away from forcing a game six. And I know Flyer fans are not thrilled about that. But you don't have to give such a traumatized face when you're up 3-1 in the series. No, I mean, but like, when at the same time, it's like, you know, 
They you know, they I'll expect give, to win tonight. Answer. They see everybody winning 4-1. They expect to win. So, you know, let, you know, and I'm sure everybody on tel- who's watching on television who's a Flyer fan is just dying to get back to it. So, you know, I think at this point in time in the podcast, we've gone over everything we can go over. I think the playoffs at this point, both NBA and NHL take precedent. So, you know, let's get back to it. So, maybe we can preview it later. Because Avalanche and Lightning won game five. There's only two games tomorrow. That's game six of Dallas-Calgary. Dallas leads 3-2. And game five of Washington and the Islanders. The Islanders took a 3-0 lead and the Capitals won. So Saturday, we're either going to get either game seven of Calgary-Dallas or either game six of Capitals-Islanders. Otherwise, there will be no hockey on that, on Saturday. And Saturday and Sunday are really the big winning days for NBC because those are the game days where they can air – a game either in the afternoon or at night on NBC instead of NBCSN and really get their ratings up. So, I mean, and if they have a game, two games on Friday, they honestly should push one back to Saturday. If all, if they get like a sweep or something or whatever, because right now for Wednesday, the game sixes and the games, like if there's game six for Philadelphia, Montreal, that'll be on Friday. Same with Blues Canucks. So right now, what happens on Saturday and Sunday is really dependent on what happens tomorrow and Friday. If they do have a game seven on Sunday, I think we will have one game seven on Sunday, maybe one or two, one game seven on Saturday.